0: Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. The Word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading continues the story that we were reading in the first one uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 40. There was also a prophet, Anna the daughter of Phenol, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Well, it's been a week since Christmas, and I'm kind of over winter now. (laughs) Are you guys done with winter? My Christmas decorations are going to be down next week. I'm no longer listening to Christmas music. I'm not watching Elf or Die Hard or It's a Wonderful Life anymore. Christmas came and went in a flash, and I can barely believe that it's over. Because of the timing, but also for another reason. You see, for, my f- for the first year in my known memory, I didn't get any socks or underwear for Christmas so it didn't feel like Christmas could possibly be over. For as long as I can remember, my mother would buy me socks and underwear every Christmas, and I hated this as a child and a youth. It was infuriating. Here I was, opening a box that could be anything. A new Nintendo game, an action figure, a puppy. It could be anything. But what do I get? Socks and underwear. Ugh. My mother wasn't giving me what I wanted, but instead was giving me something I needed. As a child though, and especially as a child at Christmas time, you don't want what you need more than you want what you want. That would be crazy. For the last few years, however, I started to enjoy this tradition. My old socks would get holes in them and I would be able to replace them with brand new ones every Christmas and same with my underwear. It was wonderful. I didn't have to buy these things myself. As an adult, I started to appreciate getting things that I need over things that I want. But this year, I didn't get any socks or underwear. I was slightly dumbfounded after all of the presents were unwrapped and a familiar feeling crept back into me. I didn't really get what I wanted. I actually wanted socks and underwear, which I get every year, but I didn't get it. I was even going to talk about how every year I get socks and underwear in my sermon, but now how could I possibly do that? Well, yet again, I got what I needed. You see, I am 33 years old. My mother doesn't need to be buying me socks and underwear anymore. I need to be buying those things for myself. I wanted to continue to get those every Christmas, but I need to be able to handle the own purchasing of my delicates. Once again, my mother didn't give me what I wanted, but gave me something I needed. This directly ties into the life of Jesus and the aftermath of that first Christmas. Throughout Advent, we read about how Israel has been waiting in darkness, in pain, specifically in labor pains, waiting for a savior, for a Messiah to come. Many people had many ideas about how this Messiah would be how he would act, how he would free them from their oppressors. But the commonly held belief was that he would come, raise an army, overthrow the ruling government, and reestablish the nation of Israel as one that you do not mess with. He would rule over Israel, and another time of peace and prosperity would come to the land. This is what people were waiting for. This is what people were hoping for. This is what people were wanting. But Jesus didn't give them what they wanted. He gave them something they needed. Jesus came as an infant, a baby born outside among animals, laid in a feeding trough, vulnerable to the elements, to enemies, to everything. There isn't much more vulnerable than a newborn baby. This is how the Messiah came into the world? As a weak, homeless, immigrant baby? This can't be right. Throughout his life, Jesus continued to disappoint people in this way. People wanted a Messiah riding a white steed, waving a sword, leading an army, overthrowing a government. Instead, they got a prophetic man from a backwater town preaching love and forgiveness, riding a donkey, spitting in the face of the Pharisees' rules and in the faces of blind men, overturning tables, and eventually being crucified by the very government people were hoping he would come and overthrow. It is this disappointment in what he was, or more accurately, what he wasn't, that I believe led to one of his own disciples betraying him. Jesus continually subverted expectations. It seemed that at one point or another, everyone we meet in the Gospels either shows outright contempt for, insults, betrays, or abandons Jesus because of this. Because Jesus isn't what they wanted. Everyone that is except for a few, two of which we meet in today's scripture. Simeon and Anna. To these two, Jesus is everything that they have been waiting for. He is a fulfillment to their life's purpose. It got me wondering, why? Were Simeon and Anna the only two people who could see Jesus for who he truly was? Were they the only two people who the Spirit revealed Jesus to? I don't think that's true. Instead, I think that they just happened to meet Jesus at a specific time, when Jesus was a baby. Yes, there is little more vulnerable than a baby, but there is little else that also embodies potential, endless, boundless potential, like a baby. When you see a baby, you see an unwrapped present. It could become anything. The feeling that I had as a child staring at a present is the feeling that I imagine Simeon and Anna had when they saw Jesus. He could become anything, a warrior, a freedom fighter, a political leader, a priest, or something even greater than that. The possibilities were endless. Simeon and Anna got to see Jesus' potential in a way that takes our humanness out of it. When you see a baby and when you see me, a 33-year-old man, our potentials are different. Or at least you see our potentials as different. I'm fully formed. I have thoughts and opinions and ways of doing things. And as I continue to age, my perceived potential will continue to diminish. This might not be completely true, but it is how we tend to view the world. We see people of a certain age and think that they are no longer able to grow or change or become more. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. This is how I imagine people saw Jesus once he was grown and was preaching and teaching. He's set in his ways, saying weird backwards things, talking about how we all need to forgive people and non-violently stand up for ourselves and love our enemies? He can't be the Messiah that we have been waiting for, and he doesn't have the potential to become it. But for Anna and Simeon, Jesus was still anything and everything that they had been waiting for. That feeling of potential, of newness, of opportunity, is one that I think our whole country, if not our whole world, feels at least once a year, and they're going to be feeling it tonight. Every new year, people are filled with a sense of newness, a feeling that this year can be the year that X, Y, or Z happens, the feeling that this year has the potential to be anything that you want it to be. This is why I feel that we make such lofty resolutions and also probably why 80% of those resolutions fail by February. We get a glimpse of our own potential once more every New Year's Eve. Could this be the year I stop smoking? Could this be the year I lose those few extra pounds? Could this be the year I start saving for that trip to Europe or find that special someone? We catch a glimpse of hope, of possibility, and we grab onto that feeling for about two months, at which point, if our desires haven't been fulfilled or we can't make them work in our daily routine, we give up, and our sense of potential leaves us. The hope and joy of the beginning of the winter season is contagious. We're fresh off of Christmas, a season of amazement and wonder, and then one week later, we get a chance to start all over again in the new year, Is it any wonder that after two months of dark, cold, frigidness that is January and February that those feelings leave us? Our new start starts with either piles of snow, or zero degree temperatures, or if you are a Midwesterner, both. How could anyone hold on to feelings of newness and possibility in such an environment? So, we just go about our normal, everyday lives. But here's the thing. Mary and Joseph were going about their everyday lives, just doing what they were supposed to do, by taking their firstborn to the temple to be circumcised, named, and purified. Circumcision of the boy child in a family marked his acceptance into the covenant community, and the law specified that that had to take place on the eighth day. The purification or redemption of the firstborn male is a very old Jewish tradition. That was actually something that didn't technically need to happen anymore when Jesus was born. But Luke really wanted to show that all of the laws, the old and the new, were fulfilled by Jesus. It's a reminder of the Exodus. The firstborn child was to be consecrated to the Lord. The firstborn male was to be redeemed or bought back at the price of five shekels of silver. Eventually, the Levites were designated to offer service to God for an atonement for all of the people in place of the firstborn. So they didn't have to do this anymore. But like I said, Luke has Jesus doing it anyway. The second purification was for Mary. In Jewish law, a woman after she gives birth is unclean for seven days and then has to go pur- go through purification for 33 days. The period was twice as long if you had a girl, though. During this time, she was not permitted to enter the temple or touch any holy objects. So then after the 40 days, or 80 if you had a daughter, She was to offer a lamb and a pigeon, or a turtle dove. But if she could not afford a lamb, she could offer instead two turtle doves or two pigeons. As we can see in our text, Mary offered two turtle doves, the implication being that Mary and Joseph were fairly poor and couldn't afford a lamb to sacrifice. So what we see is Jesus' parents going through their normal routine that they have to go through after having their firstborn son. Get him circumcised, name him, redeem him, although that was not required, and purify Mary. And it is in their normal routine, their every day, that God comes crashing in. Simeon and Anna burst into their lives, joyfully praising God for the child and prophesying to Mary and Joseph about him. In a similar way, Simeon was going through his normal everyday life. He felt led to go to the temple, something that I am sure he has felt many times before. After all, the verse says that he was righteous and devout, two things that normally mean someone's at the temple regularly in Scripture. So he's at the temple again, and suddenly Jesus enters his life. It's the same for Anna. She's an 84-year-old widow who, according to the scriptures, never left the temple, but fasted and prayed daily. So here's another day of fasting and praying, starting off normally, I'm sure, and then suddenly Jesus bursts into her every day. Both Simeon and Anna were doing their normal routine when Jesus entered their life. Both Mary and Joseph were doing their normal routine when God moved in their lives. This story is about God and Jesus moving in the mundane. Now let's tie all of this together. I think that this new year, our resolution should be to look for God moving in the places where we don't expect. The story of Christmas is giant. There's. A huge star, a multitude of angels, shepherds shouting for joy down city streets. It's a spectacle, a large, magical, you-can't-miss-this kind of event. But the story that we read today would easily be missed if you weren't paying attention. If Mary and Joseph just saw some crazy man coming up to them and spouting nonsense, or if Simeon didn't listen to that tug to go to the temple that day, If Anna was too wrapped up in her fasting and praying to notice some random baby at the temple, something that I'm sure happened all of the time, if any of that happened, they would have missed God moving in their lives. This story didn't have an angelic trumpet blast to announce its arrival. It took people being open to God and being willing to follow that tug even when it happened during a normal, everyday event. We need to be open to God moving in our everyday life, in our unexpected places. If we allow God to enter our daily lives, then you never know what could happen. However, this comes with a caveat. If we assume to know how God or Jesus will come into our lives, if we think that we that Jesus will help us win the lottery, or move to Hawaii, or help our team win the Super Bowl, then we need to check our expectations. Allowing Jesus into our everyday lives isn't going to magically give us wealth or prosperity. After all, Jesus doesn't always give us what we want, but gives us something that we need. Mary and Joseph probably needed some reassurance after the craziness of the birth had calmed down. Anna and Simeon needed to see the Messiah before they died. As the clock strikes midnight tonight and you think of the potential of this new year, I hope that you can look at your potential through the eyes of God. See how allowing the holy to move in your life can make a world of difference. And know that when you get the socks and underwear of life, God might not have given you what you want, but has given you exactly what you need. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www. Dot firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Prez Family of Faith.